show you something here that's really interesting. And it's talking about Joseph in the Bible. Uh, but you'll see how that pertains to us. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and uh, this is before we receive our offering this morning. Uh, yeah, got a hold of this scripture this past weekend. And it's in Genesis chapter 39. In verse 1, talking about Joseph, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him uh, of his hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord, now what's the, what's the situation here? You remember Joseph's brothers had betrayed him. Joseph is a type of Christ. Okay, And his brothers were jealous of him, and they betrayed him, and they sold him into slavery. They were going to kill him. Then they decided, well, you know what, we can make some money off him. <laughs> you know, Think about that. And it says in verse 2, now he's down there, and I, I did some research on this, and when he was on the auction block, when he went down into Egypt, you know, they were sold like a piece of trash. They stripped them completely down naked, and people would bid on them. Now, you talk about shame, okay? And he was sold for how many pieces of silver? 30 pieces of silver, right? And uh, who else was betrayed with silver? Jesus. So Joseph was thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, you know, betrayed of his own brethren, just like Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice something here that's absolutely, I, I, got, I started seeing this, I thought, my God. This is so life-changing. Verse 2, it says, And the Lord, while he's a slave, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous, successful man. He lives in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, I want you to notice the key to his success is that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph as a slave. Now, we know we don't have time to read the rest of the story, but you remember how he, God just kept exalting him and exalting him. He was thrown into prison for being lied upon, and then he was exalted, you know, became the head of the prison, eventually became second in command in all of Egypt because of his wisdom, his dreams, interpretation of dreams. But I want you to see here, verse 2 says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Other translations say successful man. What guarantees... Our success in this life is the fact that God is with us. Amen? Now, we know that Jesus Christ, His name is Jesus Christ, but what is one of the other names for Him? His name shall be called Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Amen? Now, Joseph had the Lord with him, which was good. Not only do we have the Lord with us, He is in us. Joseph couldn't say that, but you and I can. The biggest key, I think, moving forward in this year, this 2023, is to recognize, and it just hit me like a freight train last night in a good way. I was like, wow, begin to confess. The Lord is with me, and he makes all that I do to prosper. How many of you want that to happen in your life? And it doesn't say that, you know, you have to be educated, you have to have a you know, doctorate degree. It doesn't say that. But whatever... Whatever you're, wherever we're at in this life, if we realize that the Lord is with us, 
He will supernaturally bring us through any situation. Hallelujah. God was with Joseph, and God is with us. Amen. Amen. Now, it's not an automatic thing. You know, we have to meditate upon these things. Uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear unto all. He says that you would war a good warfare according to the prophecies that went before you, holding on to that word, holding on to the word of the Lord. Amen. There were some prophetic utterances that were given over Timothy, and Paul told him to war a good warfare and hold on to faith, keep fighting the good fight of faith, and what was spoken over you will come to pass. Amen. And I'll tell you, it's just like, you know, when I was a, when I was a little kid, you know, my, my parents got me this, uh, it was like a blow-up thing, you know, and it had sand at the bottom. You remember those things? Different, I don't even know if they make those anymore. And it was this goofy-looking clown, like a, weird, like a weird face, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and it was like, we were five, six years old, it was like a Christmas present, where I remember that, so my dad blew the thing up, you know? He says, have at it. So we'd hit that thing, boom, he would hit it, we'd punch it, you know, and and it, every time it would go down, it would come back up with that, gr- that silly grin. <laughs> you know, whack, as hard as we could. It went down, hit the floor, went right back up, okay? And I thought about that. I thought, that's exactly the way we should be as believers. The devil can take his best shot at us, but we're going to come back up with a smile on our face and say, Jesus is Lord. He has my back. Amen? Say, the Lord is with me. He makes all that I do do. to be successful. successful. Praise the Lord. So I I don't know about you, but I'm like, that is going to be a daily confession for me. I'm going to start to incorporate that. I've already started. I'm like, you know what? The Lord is with Joseph. He's with me. Now, you don't get any lower than a slave, right? None of us have it that bad. But he was stripped naked, sold, betrayed. He had nothing that he owned. He owned nothing. Nothing was left at first, but the Lord was with them. And the Lord is with us. Praise God. Praise the Lord. He's with us. So I wanted to remind you of that this morning because in every aspect of life, and this, as we sow our seed this morning, this is a, it's like sticking it in the devil's face, say the Lord is with us. He's going to make sure that we're well taken care of. Amen. So we want to give you the opportunity to sow today and uh, before we get into the sermon. And if you would like an envelope just lift your hand up and our ushers will get one to you. Does anybody need an envelope? Thank you. I am so excited this morning. Praise the Lord. We got our screen to work. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but it worked. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Brother Glenn, could you pray over the offering this morning? Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, sir. Go ahead and serve the people.
while we're while we're doing that this morning, if you want to open up in your Bibles this morning to Isaiah, the fifty-first chapter. Isaiah, the fifty-first chapter, verses one and two. Praise the Lord, Father. I thank you so much for for hungry hearts, attentive ears, thirsty, hungry for you. For you said in your word, Father, that if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we would be filled. And so we thank you today that we will be filled to overflowing. And so we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit this morning to give us utterance. We look to the Holy Spirit to give us divine utterance today to change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. We were talking, we started a series last Sunday. We spent nine weeks on uh, the power of prayer, effective, powerful prayer. And the Lord directed me to go into this series on called Get Your Hopes Up. Everybody say, Get Your Hopes Up. Hopes say it one more time. I've heard the opposite from people. Don't get your hopes up. Have you ever heard that say, saying before, that phrase before? Don't get your hopes up. But God says, Get your hopes up. Praise the Lord. Now I want you to look at Isaiah 51, verse 1 and 2. It says, Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, and seek the Lord. That's seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you are hewn, and to the hole in the pit from whence you are digged. Look unto Abraham. Now look at this verse here. This is so important. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone. Notice this. Blessed him. And increased him. Amen. Now Joseph, uh, Abraham was the great, great grandfather of Joseph. Right? The, the blessing, we call the blessing, it didn't say the blessing of Moses. Amen. Or, or the blessing of Solomon. It's the, called the blessing of Abraham. Right? And so everything, when you go back upstream... You know, like, for example, we have the Allegheny River down here, right? Well, that's not where it starts. It goes up into New York. All right, Brother Dan, you know more about this stuff. And it, there's a beginning of it. There's a starting point of it, right? Well, the starting point of the blessing is Abraham. Praise God. And the Bible clearly teaches us that we're to look unto Abraham and to Sarah, who I called, and I blessed them and increased them. Well, we see with Abraham, his son Isaac, and then his son Jacob, who became Israel, then Joseph, you know, and so on down the line is that blessing kept multiplying, right? Well, the scripture tells us that if you belong to Christ in Galatians 3, you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. That's who we're to identify with. Amen? Now, you know, when God made the Ten Commandments, God supernaturally quarried that rock, took stone out of the granite, and wrote with the finger of God the Ten Commandments. Okay? When Solomon built the first temple, we know that there was the first temple, and then there was Herod's temple, the second temple, because it was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, right? And then it was destroyed again after 70 AD, you know, when the Romans came in and destroyed the temple. You know, Jesus prophesied that, you know. Not one stone will be left upon another, Right? And all that came to pass. But, you know, that first temple, I, I was watching some videos along that line. It's really interesting to me um, to see 
But Solomon didn't go very far to get those stones quarried. It was called Hezekiah's Tunnel, and that's all dug out, you know. And that's where they went, and they quarried the big stones. These are massive, two, three-ton stones. I don't know how they moved those things, but they did, you know. And they're still there to this day, but they went in and they quarried out, you know. Now, God is saying right here, we're from the same cut. We're from the same cloth, as you will, as Abraham. Praise the Lord. And like I said last week, the first person, people that have gone to heaven, the very first person when you go to heaven that you're going to meet is Abraham. He's the father of faith. Amen? Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. And so we are to look unto Abraham. We are to look unto Sarah. Now let's go over to Romans uh, chapter, chapter 4. And we're going to talk about the power of supernatural hope. We went into some of this last week, but I barely scratched the surface with it. And I tell you, if there's ever been a time, I saw this so clearly, that the enemy is trying to dash people's hopes, not their faith, but their hopes in the last days. You see? And we're going to talk about that here because God has a supernatural hope for every single believer. Amen? Now, we read this last week, but I want you to see in Romans, the fourth chapter, the 16th verse, Paul was talking about Father Abraham. Amen? Somebody made a song out of that, Father Abraham, right? And it says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all seed and that only which was of the law, but that which is of faith of Abraham, who was the father of us all. Verse 16, all right? And then verse 17 says, As it is written, this is quoting Genesis, I have made thee. Now, it didn't, notice it doesn't say I'm going to make you. It says, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him who believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. When God appeared to Abraham, he didn't say, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. He didn't say that. He said, I have made you a father of many nations. And it says, God calls those things which be not as though they are. Amen? And that's the kind of faith that we are operating in is calling things that be not in the natural as though they are. That's called faith. Right? And God says, I've already made you a father of many nations. When, when the Lord told uh, Moses, he says, uh, you know, he told him about the promised land. He says, uh, uh, he says, I've already given it to you. Amen. You can read it in, in uh, Numbers chapter 13, right? He says, he called him and he says, I've already given you the land. Praise God. And so God calls those things which be not as though they were. Now it says, uh, uh, in verse 18, talking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now, you could read it like this. Who against natural hope believed in hope. There's a biblical hope, a godly hope, and then there's a natural hope. Well, you know, when you're... Uh, when you're 100 years old, it's pretty much gone as far as natural hope is concerned that you're going to bear any kids, right? Matter of fact, Abraham was 100 years old when, I, when uh, his son was born, when Isaac was born. 
Sarah was 10 years younger. She was 90, okay? Now, how many 90-year-olds do you see women? You have to say that nowadays, okay? Oh, God, the confusion that's out there, you know? And what, how many of her billions of people that were born into the earth, I guarantee they came through a woman. <laughs> Didn't come through a man. <laughs> Amen? And, uh, but I want you to see right here that they were well stricken in age at that point, you know, but God gave them a promise, you see. And it says in verse 19, now it's interesting because Abraham was 75 years old when God gave him the promise that he's going to have a child. Sarah was 65. She's 10 years younger. He was 75 years old. Another year went by. Another year, 75, 76, 77, 78, right? But it wasn't until God changed his name and her name that it was within the year that they had Isaac. Amen? Why? What's the difference here? Because he changed his name from Abram to Abraham, H, God's initial. Same with Sarai to Sarah. God put his name, his initial in there, which meant Abraham means father of the multitude, father of many nations, okay? So, uh, and Sarah, princess, mother of many nations. Praise the Lord. And so what happened was God began to deal. Nothing happened for when he was 75, 76, 77. And it wasn't until a year before when Abraham was 99 years old, think about that, that Sarah conceived. Okay? And it didn't happen until God changed their name, which changes their image. See, names in the Bible have significant because names have meaning. Are you with me now? They have meaning. It wasn't like, let's just pick a name out of the big thick book here and let's just call him Billy Bop or something like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? If you're from West Virginia. Right? <laughs> you can laugh a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. But, you know, when, a when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, he's thinking he didn't hear Abraham. He heard father of multitude, father of many nations. So the image got inside of him, and everything starts in the mind. It's, it's a godly hope of the future, right, to think about, wait a minute, Abraham, right? And so things began to develop. Things began to change. And notice it here in verse 19. It says in verse 18, who, who against all hope believed in hope, you know. Verse 19 says, talking about Abraham, and being not weak in faith. Do you want to be weak in faith? I don't. I want to be strong in faith. And being not weak in faith, notice this, he considered not his own body now dead. In other words, his reproductive organs. He was physically alive, right? But his own body was dead as far as his reproductive organs go, okay? When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he got two strikes against him. He got his own body and then his wife's body. They're like, mm, we haven't had kids when we were young. What makes us think we're going to have kids now? Well, the fact of the matter is they had a word from God. And when you have a word from God, that's all you need. 
to keep you stable in this life and in this instability world that we're living in, all we need is one word from God. Standing on that word will guarantee our success. I'm telling you. When it looks hopeless, when it looks impossible, they received it. It says, and being not weak in faith, verse 19, Abraham considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he staggered, verse, verse 20 says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Do you ever want to stagger at the promise of God? I know God said something, but man, I'm just kind of feel like I'm staggering with this thing. You know what I'm saying? They stagger not at the promise of God through unbelief. That's how you do it. It's through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Say strong in faith. Now it says Abraham was not weak in faith. He was strong in faith. Now the scripture will teach us right here what constitutes strong faith. I don't want to be weak in faith. I don't want the Lord to appear to me and say, oh, thou weak of faith. I'd be like, oh, you know what I'm saying? I, I, want, I want my faith to be strong in the Lord. And we all should be developing our faith in the Lord always. Man, I don't care if we're saved for 55 years. It doesn't matter. We should always be developing in our faith, always. And it says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Notice this, giving glory to God. Mm, there's a key right there. Being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, I want you to notice right there that Abraham gave glory to God before little Isaac popped out of Sarah's womb. In fact, if you read Hebrews, it says, you know, the hall of faith that we talk about, you know, it's concerning Sarah, it said that Sarah, um, you know, uh, grew in faith. She considered him faithful that promised and she conceived. In other words, she thought about, she said, you know, God's never told a lie yet. Everything he said has come to pass. I count him faithful. And then it says she received the power to conceive. Not only that, we talked about this last week, but God had to renew their youth in order to be able to have that take place. And it, it, was, it got to the point where other kings were jealous over Abraham's wife when she was 99 years old. Amen? Praise the Lord. Just think about that for a minute, Okay? When was the last time you walked into a nursing home and said, whoa, there's some good-looking people in there? I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just saying past the flower of their age, right? But God did a reverse. He started reversing their age to the point where Abraham was concerned that other kings were going to hit on his wife. Are you with me now? The Bible says we're of the, this stock, we're of Abraham and Sarah. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that things will automatically take place in our lives. We have to hear it first, conceive it, and then begin to speak it. Like we said last week in, in Psalms, it says, He satisfies your mouth with good things, that's your words, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Okay? It's a very popular thing, in case you weren't aware of it, but people, te they talk about their age, and I'm having a senior moment, you know, I forgot, ha, 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 ha. Well, we shouldn't be joking around about that kind of stuff. 
okay? The Bible says our youth is renewed like the eagles. When, uh, when, uh, jo- when Joshua was in his 80s, he says, he goes, I'm still the same. I'm just as strong as I was when I was in my 40s. Glory to God. And he says, give me this mountain. It was said concerning Moses that his natural force didn't get weak, nor his eyes got dim. Think about that. Think about that. Amen. And so there's power for those that believe it. Now, a lot of believers don't believe it. There's unbelieving believers. They don't believe it. But I believe, and I'm standing myself, that my youth is being renewed like the eagles. Why? So I can just look pretty and young? Amen? I know that's true, but you know. (laughs) Just kidding. Praise the Lord. But the Spirit, the Spirit of God in us will affect our human bodies. Praise the Lord. And I just believe that there's enough hungry people here today and those that are listening by way of conference call that, you know, we want to, you can, you can do certain things and it's really the words of your mouth. He satisfies your mouth, Psalm 103, with good things. And that's just not good food. That's part of it. But it's what we're saying with our mouth. I say things like, I'm getting stronger by the day. I'm not losing my memory. I never forget. Now, sometimes I'll be going along and I'll forget something. I'll be like, it's like it's there, but it's not. You know what I'm saying? I'm kind of like, there's something, you know what I mean? Like, and I'll say, okay, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, you're inside of me. I have the mind of Christ. Bring that back to my remembrance. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I do that. I lose track of where I'm going. You know, you've, you've seen that, right? I'm like, where was I going? I have no idea. Holy Spirit, remind me. And then he brings it back. Okay? So, The Bible doesn't say you have the brains of Christ. It says you have the mind of Christ. Your mind is the spiritual part of your brain. Your brain is the physical organ, but your mind goes with you when you leave this earth. That's part of your soul. Okay? And your your soul and your mind, having the mind of Christ, doesn't forget anything. Hallelujah. Now, it says that they staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but they gave glory to God. In other words, they said, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. We're father of many nations, you know. And I don't know if anybody heard them say that, but they'd probably laugh at them. But who's going to have the, have the last laugh? When Isaac comes out. Matter of fact, you know what Isaac means? Laughter. Ha, ha, ha. Because <laughs> God said he gave us something Good to start out, and in our old age, glory to God. So every time they said Isaac, they're thinking laughter. And God can give you a good laugh, amen, in the face of all adversity. But it says they gave glory to God. In other words, they praised him. So in other words, here's how they were strong in faith. They gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God promised him, he's able also to perform. So look at it like this. Can you thank God for something your eyes haven't seen yet? Well, sure you can. It's a choice. Amen? We're, we're, the Bible says we're to live by what we believe, not what we see with our eyes. The things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. We're to govern our lives by the book, by the Word of God, and, and, and base our emotions on what the Word of God says, not what the circumstances say. I'm sure all of you, if we took inventory right now, 
when you came in here today, you probably had some stuff dogging you, right? You probably had some stuff in the natural, right? I did. Okay. Praise the Lord. Things that happened this week, discouraging type things, you know, disappointments, you know. And it gives this kind of a feeling of hopelessness type thing. And so it affects your, you come in like, I don't even want to lift my hand to praise God. Just get the worship over with. I just want a teaching this morning. Just No, we have to worship him. Father, I thank you right now. Even though I don't see with my eyes, I give you praise. I give you glory and honor for the victory. That's how we become strong in faith. You want to bring that down just a little bit there? Praise the Lord. Now, uh, verse 21 says, I'm being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Everybody say fully persuaded. Okay. So here you have an unnatural hope who against hope believed in godly hope. And that's what we want to talk about here is getting your hopes up by you know, trusting God and what he said. Praise the Lord. Now, the message translation, I'm just going to quote this because the time says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, decided to live not as the, on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made a father of multitude of peoples. And God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Amen? I like that. So Abraham believed and hope against all hope. Now, what exactly, what exactly is Bible hope? Okay? It is a positive expectation of, of a certain outcome of any situation. It is a positive expectation of a certain outcome of any situation. Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to come to pass. Amen? Now, we know that the Scripture teaches us in Hebrews, I'm sorry, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, I'll just quote it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when a desire cometh... It is a tree of life. Amen? The message says, Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but sudden good break can turn life around. Praise the Lord. Hope deferred, delayed, makes the heart sick. All of us here have experienced from one time to another, and maybe even currently, certain delays in your life, certain things that you've been trusting God for. All of us have. Okay? And there's, uh, there's that tendency to look at your watch, look at your calendar, and you think, my God, how long would I have to wait? You know what I mean? And it has a, it has a way of grading on you to make you just, you know, and it, you know, you'll notice real quick, when you lose your joy, if you lose your peace and you lose your joy, those are two gauges you need to look at. Because if something's trying to steal your joy and steal your peace, you know where it's coming from. Because when God comes and he speaks to you, he always infuses hope and faith and assurance, which brings peace and brings joy. 
Oh, praise the Lord. We're going over. We can't lose. We're going over. We're not going under. Amen? Because I'll tell you, God's got your back. And like we shared this morning in Genesis 39, verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Amen? Let me ask you, let me just put it to you like this. If you think that the only time the Lord is with you is when you're acting perfect, you are missing it big time. If you think you have to be perfect, goody two-shoes, have every T crossed, every I dotted before God can move in your life, you're missing it. Okay? Because He loved us while we were yet sinners. What good deed that you or I, you or I do to, to deserve salvation? Nothing. He loved us while we were yet in sin. And it was His love, it's His goodness that leadeth us to repentance. That's what Paul said in Corinthians. He says, we have the word of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation to tell the world, God's not mad at you. He's not holding your sins accountable to you. You just have to receive him. He paid the price. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm telling you. Glory to God. Let's go to Luke chapter 5 real quick here. Now, hope is also like a blueprint. In other words, a picture, all right? When you have a blueprint for a house, you know, it's not the actual house. It's, it's a picture. It's an idea. It's a concept of what potentially this house will look like. And so the carpenters show up. The electricians show up, right, Brother Glenn? And they start putting all that stuff. They look, at the, they look at the blueprint and they start putting it together. That's their faith. And all of a sudden, what was a blueprint is now the reality. And once the reality shows up, forget the blueprint. Don't need it anymore because the real thing has shown up. This building, this hotel that we're in right now, the guys didn't just show up with a bunch of brick and mortar and carpet and everything, you know, and just throw it together. There was somebody that sat down and orchestrated, and there was a blueprint of how this property would be built. It was on paper first, okay? Now, the Word of God is like a blueprint. It will give us a picture of biblical hope of what He has for us. Our Father, God, has such good plans for you that it would boggle your human mind if you understood the totality of that. He has such good things in store for us that it would just blow our minds, so to speak. That's the kind of God that we serve. <laughs> now, we see something here in Luke chapter 5. Let's look at verse 1. Let's look at an illustration here about hope. It says, And it came to pass that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, here's what we have to understand. The lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee, it's all the same thing. They're not different seeds, okay? It's all the same thing. And it says that the people pressed upon Jesus. This is where he spent most of his, his earthly ministry was around this lake, around this seashore. Yes, he did make trips to Jerusalem, but he spent most of his life on the Sea of Galilee. That's where around the different towns and so forth. There was a city called Tiberias. That's why they called it the Sea of Tiberias, okay? Different names, right? Like Lake Moraine, Lake Arthur, 
okay? Different names. But it says, And it came to pass that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. And he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and the two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, for they were washing their nets. In other words, they were cleaning out the debris and the, you know, the uh, seaweed and that kind of a thing. Nasty stuff, right? Verse 3 says, He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, or Peter's. And he prayed him or asked him that he would thrust him out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now let me give you a little bit of background why this is the case. You have to understand back then, we have a PA system. You can turn it up, okay? Those things didn't exist back in the times of Christ yet, okay? So they would look for uh, an amphitheater type thing or a, a, a landscape that would have uh, like a natural thing like this. And when, when a person stood on the water and they spoke from the water, that water would carry their voice so that multitudes could hear their voice, like an amphitheater. And that's why Jesus asked Peter, can I borrow your boat? Okay? And so he went out there and he began to share things so that the people could hear it. And verse 3, it says, And he entered into the ships, which was Simon. He prayed him to thrust him out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Amen. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, that's Peter, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch or a drop. Okay, now you see in verse 4, Did Jesus say, Let down your net? It says nets, right? So in other words, nets, N-E-T-S, that's what? Plural. Jesus didn't say let down your net. He said let down your nets, okay, for a draught. And then verse 5 says, Simon answered and said unto him, uh, Master, we have toiled, we've worked all night long and have not taken anything. Because the, the fishermen, Peter being a fisherman, you know, they would get their greatest catch when the fish couldn't see as well because it's dark. Okay? Basically, I heard someone say it like this. When, you, when you're going fishing and you put bait on a hook, the hungry fish are going after that bait. Are you right? But when you catch fish in a net, you're catching fish. They may be hungry. They may not be hungry. Amen? Because you're just, you're catching them, you're bringing them all in. Praise the Lord. And I think that's what we're headed for in these last days. Amen? Praise God. Now I want you to see right here that they, he, Peter said this. He says, uh, Lord, we've, uh, we've toiled all night long. This is self-effort, self-labor, self-work, hard work. Lord, we've worked all night long. Matter of fact, we didn't even take one fish. That would be frustrating, wouldn't it? Oh, man, I hope to get some fish. We didn't get one bite, not one fish that we catch all night long. So, that, so there, here's the natural side to this. Who against natural hope? We've worked all night when they're supposed to catch fish at night. Now it's daylight. And he says, we've toiled all night. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Singular. Jesus is talking plural Peter's thinking small. He's thinking singular. In other words, he doesn't have a lot of faith in this. And I'll prove it to you. 
And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes that their nets broke. Their net broke. Notice this. And they beckoned unto their partners that were on the, in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships so that they began to sink. Net breaking, boat sinking, catch. <laughs> now, Peter really didn't believe it. He says, okay, well, if you say so, we'll do it, you know. But notice Peter's response in verse 8, and Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Why would he say that? Because he really wasn't believing what Jesus said. Okay? And I, I believe there was so much fish in that boat when he fell to his knees, his, he was kneeling on fish. <laughs> because there were so many fish. Which fish in that lake was going to refuse to jump in that net? Think about that. Was there any rebellious fish in that lake that said, no, I'm not going to do that today? I believe every available fish in that lake ran for that net. Supernatural occurrence. Supernatural increase. Now, here's the, here's the picture of man toiling, working. We've worked all night, man. We've been working and struggling, haven't made a dime, right? And then Jesus comes along and says, can I borrow your boat? Now, I don't know how long Jesus' sermon was. Let's just say it was just 15 minutes. He borrowed Simon Peter's boat, and for the, he was going to repay him. When you lend to the Lord, he will repay Right? Jesus needed a boat. He didn't need to buy one. He just needed to borrow one for a couple minutes. Okay? And, uh, and the Lord says, okay, I'm going to bless Simon Peter's fishing business. As a matter of fact, however many years he was in the fishing business, there was never, ever a catch like this in broad daylight. Because they would go out three in the morning. That's when they saw Jesus walking, you know. Remember that? Because that's when they would go out in the middle of the night to catch, Right? This is in broad daylight. Fish are jumping. They're running from the nets. They see it. They're out of here, man. You know what I'm saying? But when the word of the Lord is given, there is natural hope involved here that said, mm, our, our background means we don't catch fish in the middle of the day. If we throw a net in, it's going to scare them off. You know what I'm saying? But Peter half-heartedly said, okay, whatever you say, we'll do it. And he threw his net down. Jesus said, let your nets. Okay? See, the Lord wants to give you and I a bigger harvest than we even know. Now, I'm not just talking finances, okay? That's part of it. But I'm talking a harvest of whatever we're trusting God for, a more than enough. Amen? Praise God. Are you with me? And so the Lord was trying to get Peter's hopes up, but he didn't want to listen, okay? He said, throw your nets in for a catch, you know? Jesus said, I only hear what I, I only speak what I hear the Father say. Amen. Get warm in here. <laughs> I only say what I hear my Father say. I only speak what I hear my Father speak. Jesus heard and he says, Let down your nets for a cash. He didn't, he didn't say, Let your net down. Peter was thinking small. Jesus is thinking big. Okay? So God would have us to prepare for enlargement in your life. Why not trust him for a harvest of health 
in your physical body. Okay? I'm not against doctors. Doctors do a lot of good for people. But let's not them have, have the final say-so. Let's not th let them be the voice of God in our lives. Let's let God's Word determine our future. Praise the Lord. I know this sounds extreme, but it's not. It's Bible. Okay? I'm, I'm not going to stagger at it, are you? I'm not going to let my mind stagger at this kind of stuff. I mean, if God says it, it's going to come to pass. Praise the Lord. That's why Peter fell, because he was under conviction. He fell at his feet. And Jesus said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. <laughs> he was under conviction. He really didn't believe, but still it came to pass in his life. So we see this situation here. God was trying to raise the bar where they were trusting him, you know, because you know, you might, that's just a little thing, you know, let them use your boat for a sermon here, right? Right? Well, when he gave that to the Lord, the Lord needed that to get the word out to more people, right? And so the Lord says, I'm going to bless Peter, his fishing business, because of this. Praise the Lord. And there was other instances where this kind of stuff happened, where supernatural increase came after Jesus' resurrection. They went back to their fishing business, you know, thinking, well... I guess we're done. Let's go back to fishing, you know. And the same thing happened. He said, throw the nets on the right side of the boat for a catch. Right? Now, let's go to Mark chapter 5. We'll close here this morning. In Mark chapter 5. So, we're looking at some incidents here about natural hope versus supernatural hope. Praise God. And I'll tell you, it starts in our minds. Hope starts in the way you think, okay? Have you ever laid there in the middle of the night and you're having a hard time going to bed? You're trying to, you want to sleep, you're physically tired, but you can't sleep because of cares and worries and anxieties. You're thinking about, oh, how's that going to work out? I've been there before, okay? I, I remember there were several times in my life I had panic attacks, Okay? Like, whoa. You know, where it hits you, like, my God. That's all fear. It's all fear. And it's the enemy trying to infiltrate our thinking, how we're thinking. <coughs> Everything starts with a thought. Whether we're going to make it in life or not. And if we're entertaining negative thoughts, in other words, Sometimes well-meaning people, even other Christians, can be used as a tool of the devil to speak stuff to you that's not true. Now, if the devil's crowd comes along and says something to you, you know, well, that's a given, right? But if there's some well-meaning person, a Christian even, that says, you know, do you know Christians can yield to the devil? All of us have from one time to another, right? well-meaning people sometimes. But we have to ascertain, we think, wait a minute, where's that thought coming from? Where is that thought coming from? A condescending word, something, a little dig. You know what I'm saying? It might sound all flowery, you know. When the devil talks to you, he doesn't come to you in a red suit and a pitchfork and horns and go, Rah! but he comes in a little nice little package Okay? Yeah. It could even be a pastor. Hmm. Not me. 
it could come in the form of an elder or a someone that's been saved a long time, you know, and, and uh, but they're not listening to their heart. They're listening to their head, and they're listening to other people, okay? And when that happens, the, the, the root behind it, the devil wants you to believe that lie about yourself when it's not the truth at all. It's not the truth. Amen? I, I've been through the years. I've been around a lot of people through the years. And I've been with some larger ministries at times and people that have very successful large ministries and stuff like that, you know. And sometimes you get, you know, being in fellowships or luncheons or things like that, you feel this certain attitude coming from a woman or a man or a couple, a degrading attitude looking down at you. And if you look at, it looks like, big success that they have. There's a tendency when someone does that, that you start to look inside, you think, maybe that's the way God sees me. Not so. Not so. I'm so glad that my security doesn't come from what other people say about me, but what God says about me. Because people can misjudge you. They can Okay, I've been misjudged before by ministers and other people and stuff through the years. You know, I'm not just licking my wounds. I'm just saying I know what it's like to feel that kind of thing. But we have to understand there's something more behind that. The devil is going to try to use some believer to try to infiltrate you, get into your mind to make you feel like you're nothing. You know what I'm saying? And that you're you're on this performance. You're on this hamster wheel. You're always you're moving, but you're not going anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? Do you understand that? And a lot of times, rejection is one of the biggest things. The devil will try to use someone to reject you, to create a, a twisted image of yourself about you and your future that, you know, uh, to try to get you to believe that what they're saying, there's some truth to that. And if we swallow that hook, line, and sinker, fishermen, pole, boots, bank, and everything, we're done. Okay? The biggest influencer is what God says about us. Abraham believed God. The other people were laughing at him. Noah, the same thing. Oh, boat, rain, what are you talking about? You're crazy. Old man Noah. But he went by what God said. And I think at the end of the day, that's what we have to come down to is like, you know what? doesn't matter what so-and-so thinks, what so-and-so thinks. Right? I mean, when David came down from the backside of the desert watching his father, Jesse's sheep, his brothers, he was the youngest of all the brothers, they, they ridiculed him. They, they, they were making fun of him. They said, why did you leave these few sheep to come down here and watch the battle? You're just trying to get out of a day's work right now, David. Well, that wasn't the case. To his brothers, he looked full of pride, arrogant, trying to get out of work. But actually, he defeated Goliath, who had the last laugh there. See, those, his brothers, his own brethren, they didn't believe in him. They rejected him. 
Jesus said it's something that says concerning Jesus in John 1, 12, He came unto His own and His own received Him not. They rejected Him. Okay? But just because someone rejects you doesn't mean you're a reject. <laughs> Amen? There's different reasons why people reject because they're judging after the flesh. David, you just have these few sheep on the background. What type of ministry do you think you have? Just these few sheep right here. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. God always looks on the heart. Amen? Boy, we can learn so much from that. There's so much we can learn and glean from people if we're not judging after our eyes, after our flesh. You look at someone and say, well, they're too old. They're too young. They're too fat. They're too skinny. They don't wear the right clothes. You know? They got tattoos all over them. And we shut people off. Okay? And when God can speak through any channel, He can speak through any vessel. It doesn't matter who they are. Amen? I remember years ago, I was watching, uh, I was still living, I wasn't married, I was living in my house, you know, and back then, um, I think this is before they had cable TV, right? So I was watching uh, the Christian station that was uh, CTV, it's still on, but it was before cable, you know. And, uh, and there was a minister that they put on there, and he had the collar and the black and all this kind of stuff, you know. And I, I immediately went to sh turn the channel because I'm like, that just turns me off. That's just religion to me. But I felt a check in my spirit to say, listen to this man. But I was judging it based on him wearing a collar, you know, in the black because that just reminded me of like Catholicism. Are you with me? I'm like, what's he have to say? I'm thinking this, right? Well, this man was born again, Catholic man, right? And I mean, I listened for about 20 minutes, and I mean, the gems that he shared were like, wow. But I was so ready and so quick to turn the channel because I, I was judging it based on what my eyes were seeing. And the Holy Spirit said, listen to what he's saying. Now, there's been times where I, I did turn it off, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? But if we listen to the Holy Spirit and just not judging after our sight. Matter of fact, Jesus said it did. He didn't judge after what he saw. He judged righteously. Okay? Praise God. And he's our, he's our pattern, right? Oh, I'm so thankful. I didn't plan on sharing some of this this morning, but it, it's so important. The way God sees you is like nobody else. He believes in you. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't quit on you. He's in covenant with you. He is not about to give up, even if you screw up. Right? I mean, look at Abraham. He's lying about his wife, right? He said that's his sister. He was lying. Okay? And was it Abimelech, I guess, you know, he was going to make advances, you know, and so forth? And, uh, and all hell broke loose in, a, in, a, in a, I think it's Abimelech, right? And, uh, <laughs> and the Lord said, you're a dead man if you, if you, if you, you know, if you go after Abraham's wife, right? Well, Abraham lied about it. Right? He's not perfect. I thought God would judge him for that, right? But see, God is God has your back even if you're not perfect. Even if you screw up or mess up. He's not, okay, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Now, when we understand that kind of love that God has for us, then it's easier 
to treat other people like that and not be so quick to judge people. There have been times I've judged people too quickly. Yep, I sure have. You know? But the main thing is we learn from those things. Praise God. Things can always appear a certain way. Right? And people make statements like, well, if I were in their shoes, I wouldn't do that. Well, you might do worse. Because you don't know the kind of pressure that person is under. Okay? I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying there's a reason. Praise God. So Mark chapter 5, we'll, we'll read this and we'll close here. We've just got a couple of minutes left. Now, Josh, let's do this in the Amplified Translation. Okay. Mark 5.25. This is the issue. The woman with the issue of blood. But I wanted to read it in the Amplified. Okay? It says in verse 25, it says, There was a woman who had a, uh, a flow of blood for 12 years who had endured such suffering under the hands of many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but instead grew worse. You see that? Everybody say hopeless. She spent all of her money thinking, this doctor will help me. No, maybe it's this doctor. Before you know it, her bank account is empty. It says, verse 27, she heard reports concerning Jesus. Everybody say hope. So someone was saying some things to her that gave her hope. She heard reports of Je concerning Jesus, and she came behind him in the throng and touched his garment. Notice this. I, this is why I like the Amplified. It says, verse 28, she kept saying. The King James says she said. But actually the Greek, she kept saying, if I can only touch his garments, I shall be restored in health. And immediately her flow of blood was dried up from the source suddenly and she felt on her body that she was healed from that distressing ailment. 30 says, And Jesus, recognizing in himself the power proceeded from him, had gone forth, turned around immediately, and the crowd said, Who touched my clothes? The disciples kept saying to him, You see the crowd pressing hard around you from all sides, and you ask, Who touched me? Still, he kept looking around to see her that had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done to her, uh, though alarmed and frightened and trembling, fell down before Jesus and told him all the truth. Oh, isn't that marvelous? And he said unto her, Jesus said unto her, Daughter, now this is covenant talk here. Daughter, your faith your trust, your confidence in me, springing from faith in God has restored you to health. Go in peace and continually be continually healed and freed from the distressing bodily disease. Boy, then the Amplified, isn't that amazing? Okay. So we'll close with this here today, this account right here. But, you know, here's a hopeless situation. Okay. Here's a hopeless situation. Doctors did not have a cure. They didn't have a cure for her. She had hopes that, you know, didn't say how many physicians. She sought physicians, and she spent all the money she had. And then she was completely, not only sick, but she was, she was broke, okay? But, but it says she, when she heard of Jesus... 
What did she hear of Jesus? Somebody had to tell her something. Someone had to communicate to her and say, uh, have you heard about this guy named Jesus? No, tell me about him. Well, he's healing people all over the place, and people are just touching the hem of his garment. He did that elsewhere, too. And when they, when they touch him, they're healed of whatever plague they have. Now, here's, here's where hope, here's where supernatural hope came into operation. She had a picture. Oh, wow. Okay, I spent all my money. None of the doctors helped me. But if I can just get to Jesus, I'm going to be made whole. She kept saying. She, so she, there was an image in her mind. If I could just get for, She forgot about all the doctors. She forgot about the disappointments. She forgot about her bank account. She said, if I can just get to Jesus, this thing will be taken care of. And, you know, she, she pressed through the crowd, you know, and, you know, the situation with her bloody disease that she had, you know, 12 years. She couldn't be in public. She was like a leper under, Levit under Levitical law. She could have been stoned. She was in her weakened condition from, you know, hemorrhaging, you know, and uh, anemic and losing blood constantly, okay? And uh, if you've seen The Chosen, how many have seen The Chosen? You know, there's that one account with a woman with the issue of blood on there. It is so powerful, so powerful. And it just shows a little background, like what, you know, it's not just this little story. There's a whole background behind that thing, right? She had sought out all the physicians, you know, and, but someone came along, some messenger came along and said, you got to get to this guy. You have to get to him. I don't know how far she traveled. I don't know what, you know, how many miles and so forth. But in her weakened condition, everything she did was a step of faith. Oh, everything she did. But then when she got to Jesus, she had a, there was a crowd of people. Of course there was. People were trying to touch him and so forth, you know. And she had to fight her way through the crowd, being in that weakened condition. She was not deterred, right? Just like the people that brought in the, the, the man, the, the four, the born of four, you know, and they uh, got to Jesus' house, you know, and there was no room. And they said that it says they sought means how they could get to Jesus. They thought, well, there's nobody on the roof. They couldn't get in the door. They couldn't get in the window. There's so many people in there. But faith just doesn't take no for an answer. It just says, we're going to do this. I don't care what it takes. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the doctor's report says. I don't care what so-and-so says. I believe God's word. And I rejoice in your word, Father God, like one that finds great spoil. I thank you that your word is truth. Thank you, Lord, right now, even though I have a pain in my body or a sickness in my body, that has to leave. That has to change because I'm looking to the Word. I'm looking to what God says, regardless of your age. There's never a time in your life where we should accept sickness or disease or pain in our lives. Never. Jesus redeemed us from it. So sometimes we have to take a stand and say, ah, oh, I feel the symptoms, but I'm not moved by that. I'm going to stand on what God's Word says. So this word right here, in closing today, this is what gives us the supernatural hope that we need. Okay? That's all that we need is the Word. 
what God's word says. What is it that you're trusting the Lord for yourself? What is it? You know, you know. I'm not asking for a response. But what is it that you're you're trusting him for? I I implore you and encourage you and I beseech you, like Paul says, cling to the word. And if you find yourself slipping of joy and peace in your life, being aggravated, irritated, you know, get your eyes back on the Bible. Get your eyes back on the Word of God. Keep it before you. Keep it before you. And say what God says about you. Abraham, 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 Father, 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 many nations, Father, you know. And it, sure enough, it came to pass. It came to pass. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> ha 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 <laughs> glory to God for there's nothing impossible as I've said in my word saith the Lord there's nothing impossible to him that believeth for I am the God that made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's therein and I happen to live on the inside of you and when you speak my word and declare my word all hell will bow its knee. For you see, I've given you a name which is above every name. And at that name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And yes, that would include oppression, sickness, and disease. will have to bow its knee. For the God that stilled the sea, for the God that killed the fig tree, lives now on the inside of you. As it is written, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. So be bold to, to cling to my word and speak what I've said, for my word and your mouth will get the same result as my word in my mouth, saith the Lord. So fill your mouth, fill your mind with what, what I've said and it will calm the troubled waters of your heart and the troubled spirit that you experience. That's not my will. As you cling to me, cling to my word, and yes, my spirit will speak to you even in the midnight hour. I'll speak to you and give you great peace and give you great calm in the midst of of adversity. For it is said in my word, their heart is fixed, trusting in me. Their heart is established, it shall not be afraid in the 112th Psalm. So cling to me, cling to my word, speak my word, and all will be well with you. That's what the Lord says this morning. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, brasika la ha shato kopo kolo kosi patema chenenom begesta so great de disa so great a God that we serve so great is His name so great is His grace habo kama shala kamane jire ve kamana nona lava dega nesa du karamblegera siya tekashuna mangre dega lesa du karamblegera dia jakramandagosa rodege shamlandre deg blegera sosa nambregeda. Sombro godo For don't you know, many, many of my children have become discouraged. Many of my children have become despondent while looking after the things that are upon the earth. 
and looking at the media that is the news, saith the Lord. But get your news from me. Get your inside information from me, for I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the absolute truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will make you free and set you free and, yes, even keep you free. And you'll have peace in your heart and peace in your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just thank him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I tell you, Father, I just thank you for instilling right now to everyone here supernatural hope. To everyone here, Lord. And all of us need that, Father, I myself included. We need that supernatural hope from heaven, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it's an effort. It may take a little work on your part, but it's worth it. It's easy to yield to the flesh. It's easy to yield to the carnal mind. But yield not to the flesh, yield not to the carnal mind, but yield unto me. It's a choice, it's a decision. And I will help you walk in the Spirit. For I've not called you to walk in the Spirit in your own power and your own might. I live in you. I live in you. I live in you. I will help you walk in these things. I will help you walk in fruit of the Spirit. I will help you do the right thing. So just be ever conscious of my presence inside of you and all will be well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I just had to speak that out. I just had to speak that out. I'm glad I spoke that out. You know, you know uh, here's something interesting. When I, it's so spontaneous you know this bit, Dan, from ministering this way. And you're going to get back stronger than ever before in that area. Amen? Amen. Oh, yeah. No more, no, no discouragement. Mm-hmm. No, you're coming back strong. <laughs> There's an anointing on you <laughs> to prophesy. There's an anointing to prophesy on you. Glory be to God. But, you know, when, when you speak out and you speak out, I have no idea what I'm going to say. I have no idea. It just comes bubbling up. And so a lot of times I have to go back and, and listen. What, did, what was God saying there? Go back on the, this recording and hear, oh, okay, okay. You know what I mean? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. No more discouragement. Say this after me. Say discouragement. discouragement. Hopelessness. I take authority over you. Get out of my life. You have no place in my life ever again. Amen. Wow, that just did it right there.